Okay. <clears throat> that concludes 20 minutes of silent meditation. If you'd like to, I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed and join me in the slow version of the third step prayer. So we're going to breathe in and breathe out each line of the prayer, one line at a time, and take a few breaths in between each line to contemplate what it's asking me to do or what it's asking me to not do. So I breathe in the first line of the prayer, which to me is the word God. So I breathe in God nice and slowly. And I take a few breaths and I continue to call in internally to this thing I call God or higher power and try to connect with that thing inside of me that is God. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. I offer myself to thee. And I take a few breaths. And I think about how committed I am to that. Do I offer myself? And what self am I offering? And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. To build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. And I take a few breaths and I think about what my higher power might want to build with me or do with me today, right now. out the next line. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I contemplate what my inner life would look like right now if I had no bondage to self. No old ideas, no opinions, no story. Try to experience one breath in or out of complete silence. And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. That I may better do thy will. Again, I think about how much better could I do God's will if my mind was quiet, if I had no bondage to self. And I breathe in the next line. 
sorry, I breathe out the next line. Take away my difficulties. And I take a few breaths and I just look over my day so far today. What difficulties did I have? What got in the way of me being the man that God would have me be today? Or the woman that God would have me be today? breathe in the next line. That victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths. And I think about the people I might come in contact with today and how I might affect them, and how they might affect others, if I truly was an example of God's power, and God's love, and God's way of life. Breathe out the last line of the prayer. May I do thy will always. And I smile. And I picture myself going through my day with a quiet mind, doing God's will right now. Whenever you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Allow yourself to become aware of the seeing that's happening now, that your eyes are open. Try not to get caught up in the story of what you're seeing and re-energizing that self-talking mind. But try to focus all of your attention on the, th the consciousness the thing that is seeing, not what you're seeing, but that you're seeing. You could ask your higher power to help you have vision instead of sight but vision. There's a nice little prayer. It goes, God, tell me what to hear. Show me what to see. Let me speak your words. Let me do your will. 
breathing and being aware that seeing is happening. That's all that's necessary for this moment right now. Breathing and being aware that seeing is happening. So I'm going to start talking now. So some hearing is going to start happening, probably, maybe, or, or some self-talk is going to start happening. Some of you are already judging me and the meditation and the prayer and everything that we've done this morning, and that's perfectly okay because that's what the disease wants to do. My disease is an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind that's always in a hurry, easily frustrated, and can't stand the word no. It wants to get to the meeting already, for God's sakes. It's enough prayer and meditation. Start talking, do something, make a meeting. That's what my mind would be saying if I was sitting there and you were telling me, going on and on and on about meditation and seeing and breathing. We did it for 20 minutes, for God's sakes. Let's start the meeting already. That's what my mind would be saying. And I would be sitting there judging you. Uh, if I energized my mind, but I could, I could remain present right here, right now. And it doesn't matter what you say, because there's nowhere to go and there's nothing to get. And this meeting is about connecting with that. It's about connecting with my higher power right here, right now, where nothing is needed to make this moment any better than it already is. It's already perfect. Why do I want to mess it up with my mind? So I'm alcoholic. I'm allergic to alcohol. I can never, ever drink alcohol again successfully. The reason I'm allergic to alcohol is because I have a disease called alcoholism. And the disease talks to me in my own voice. And it manifests as an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind that's always in a hurry, easily frustrated, and can't stand the word no. And I have to identify that. I have to make that known for me, for right now. For me, I state it out loud in front of a group of people. Because it is my truth that if I am not in recovery, I am in that mind. I am in alcoholism. I am going to be captured by self. And self is going to start talking to me. And it's not going to... It doesn't... Talk to me in a way that, in, that makes my life and everyone around me better. It talks to me in a way where it makes me feel like a loser and less than or better than in a way that I'm a loser for being around you. I'm either a loser because I'm a loser and don't deserve to be around you or I'm a loser because I'm hanging out with you and my mind's telling me you're a loser. So I, I've, inevitably, I must also be a loser. So it always keeps circling back to I'm a loser and I'm unlovable. And when I get into that mindset deep enough, I get into enough emotional pain, I'm going to need to do something to kill that pain. And the thing that I found for myself, the best, easiest to get over the counter treatment for alcoholism before I knew I had alcoholism was alcohol. Alcohol did for me what I could not do. For myself, it quieted my mind. It gave me a sense of ease and comfort in the moment that I took it. And that's when I want the relief. I want it right now. And alcohol allowed me to act extemporaneously, to be present in the moment, to dance like, like nobody's watching, to have courage to talk to people, to be funnier and taller and smarter and 
more outgoing and everything I ever wanted to be, alcohol did that for me. And I used it and I used it a lot because it worked great. And subsequently, I became allergic to it. So I can never, ever drink it again. Now, not drinking alcohol is not the solution to my problem because alcohol is not my problem. The only reason alcohol is a problem today is because I'm allergic to it. But not drinking alcohol does not make me okay inside. It does not heal my inner life, my thought life. It does not make my inner thought life manageable. It's still unmanageable. And so that's what's wrong with me. I'm powerless over alcohol because I'm allergic to it. Dash, my life has become unmanageable inside because of alcoholism, not because of the crash cars or the trash jobs or the relationships I can't keep. That's not what's wrong with me. What's wrong with me is alcoholism. And because of alcoholism, I drink and I crash cars and I trash relationships, but not because of alcohol. So, I hope that you don't hear me saying it's okay to drink alcohol because I am not saying that. If you are alcoholic, if you are allergic to alcohol, you, like me, can never, ever, 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 one day at a time today, never, ever drink alcohol again. Period. It's over. But now that I can't have the medicine, what am I going to do? And that's where the 12 steps come in. And, and that's where practicing this as a way of life comes in. And that's where right now, breathing in, Breathing out, being aware that I'm seeing, asking God to help me hear what's being said. Not because what I'm saying is good or bad or important or not important, because I don't know what it is, but I know this. I came to this meeting. I'm sitting here at this meeting. This is probably exactly where my higher power wants me to be right now. So why would I come here and sit down and start self-talking? And spend the whole meeting talking to myself about the things I was talking to myself about before I got here. And that I will continue to talk to myself about after I leave here if I don't do something different right now. If I don't breathe in. Breathe out. Become connected to this moment right now. And ask my higher power to be here with me. And to help me. To help me be present. So, so there's a process, there's a, a way of life, and there's a relationship with a higher power that comes out of this way of life, and we're going through that process, and I'm getting to it right now. We're going to do a little bit of reading. We, we've been reading. We started with how it works, and then we read 60 to 63, and, and then we read the Tebow paper on compliance and how compliance gets in the way of me being surrendered. And we read about the ego and this infantile ego that's always in a hurry, easily frustrated and thinks it's the center of the universe and that all of you, all of you came here today for me and you better look at me right and smile at me right and nod appreciatively or I'm going to cut you out of my life. I'm just letting you know because that's what's going to happen. If you look at me funny, I'm going to say, hmm, that person's looking at me funny. I don't like them anymore. And if I could, I would grab your little face box and I would move it to the next page where I don't have to see you because I only want to see the people that like me and that think I'm funny and, and, uh, and that show up. I have alcoholism. It needs to be treated right now. Um, I have an infantile ego that 
couples with the alcoholism to make me very unsatisfied. The disease, the doctor's opinion, he says that alcoholics, people that are allergic to alcohol because they have alcoholism, are restless, irritable, and discontent until they take the first drink. Now I'm sober, and I am restless, irritable, and discontent. Discontent means unsatisfied, always. Until I take the first drink, or I start coming to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. So that's what happens. A power greater than myself is going to restore me to sanity. Oh, boy, I didn't mark the page. Uh, okay, I think we're on page 46. Does anybody remember? Page 46, yes, we of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. Did I read that last time? Somebody? Anybody? A nod? Something? Okay. Well, we'll just start there because it doesn't matter. This is not a, we're not going anywhere. There's nowhere to go. We could read the same paragraph over and over and over again and keep going into the, into the principles that are in that paragraph. But on page 46, I'm going to read it in the eye. Yes. I, of agnostic temperament, have had these thoughts and experiences. Let, let, let me make haste to reassure me. I have found that as soon as I am able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than myself, I commence to get results. Even though it was impossible for me to fully define or comprehend that power which is God. Okay, so the, the, the second step says, I'm going to come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. If I am not willing to have a tiny bit of an open mind, even the smallest little opening to the idea that maybe there is a power greater than myself, then, then there can be no coming to believe. <clears throat> Hear me say this. <clears throat> you cannot come to believe by accident. You will not come to believe in time. Just in time. I have to do something to come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Some people do it by crushing themselves with alcohol and then they have a white light experience. Some people talked about that. I don't know if it was this meeting or last meeting that they had a white light experience and maybe you could crush yourself into having a white light experience. But most of those people have cried out, God help me before they have that experience. Most of the people that I've talked with. But my problem is, is that I have all these prejudices against the idea of God. I think God, when, when you say God, if you say God too many times in a row, I start thinking of the old God, the God that's outside of me, that is a man, it's a him, He's in the clouds. He's very, very, very judgmental. And my idea of that relationship with that God is if I'm a good boy, that that, that God will give me presence. And if I'm a bad boy, I'm going to burn in hell. <laughs> Either now or later, none of that's important. But that is my old idea, my prejudiced idea of what a higher power is. It's something that if I'm a good boy, it gives me presence. And if I'm a bad boy, it punishes me. And I have that still today. But I don't, 
I don't have a relationship with that power. I have come to believe that there's a power, that that power is greater than me, and that that power is the power that restores me to sanity. And the way that I got there was by rightly relating myself to it, not by figuring out what it is. I, I have found that as soon as I'm able to lay aside my prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than myself, I, I commence to get results right now. I start coming to believe that when I rightly relate myself to my higher power, I have the experience of being restored to sanity, which means I have a quiet mind right now. Even though it's impossible for me to fully define or comprehend that power, which we call God. We call it God because it's the name of the thing that has all knowledge and all power. God is a title the title for the thing that has all knowledge and all power. And that's what I want to connect with. You can call that thing whatever you want. You can call it Jesus, Buddha, Allah. Uh, you can call it whatever you want. I am not concerned with that. It used to be if somebody talked about Jesus in a meeting, my mind slammed shut and I couldn't hear another word they said. Oh God, another Jesus freak. Uh, and, and that would be a complete, my prejudices would immediately put up walls and I couldn't hear another word that you said. Today, if you say the word Jesus, I say, oh, the one that has all knowledge and all power, who you choose to call Jesus. Good for you. Good for you. And if you want me to call it Jesus and it makes you more comfortable, I'll call it Jesus. But what I know it is, it is the thing that has all knowledge and all power. Much to my relief, I discovered I need not consider any other's conception of God. I kept waiting for them for years in AA. I kept waiting for them to finally take me in the back room behind the door that comes into the meeting in the back of the church where they were going to finally sit me down and tell me, look, Randy, if you don't believe that this power, whichever one they were going to name, is the right power and that if you don't pray in this way that you're never going to be saved. And I kept waiting for them to tell me which one it was, and they never did. Still, I'm still a little nervous. Somebody's going to take me in the back room and tell me which one it is. But as of now, I have a relationship with a power greater than myself of my own understanding because of the practicing that I've done to have a relationship with it and the quiet mind that I've had because of that practice. And I don't, I don't feel the need to know what it is. I just know that it does what it's supposed to do when I rightly relate myself to it. My own conception, however inadequate, is sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with it. As soon as I admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe, underlying the totality of things, I begin to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction. Provided I took other simple steps. So we talked about this last week. It doesn't say I'm going to come to believe in a power. I'm going to, become, I'm going to, come, to come to believe that a power can restore me to sanity. And I'm going to have to do some things so that I could come to believe that. This is not a 
blind faith where I just say, oh, I believe and now I'm healed. No, I'm going to rightly relate myself to that power and then I'm going to see what happens. And the seeing of what happens is going to be the thing that helps me come to believe that that thing happens when I do this thing. So this is not an accidental relationship. It's a very, 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 very uh, intentional relationship that I have to initiate because it's already there. I have to connect with it because I have disconnected myself from it through alcoholism, through my self-talking, unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind. I have disconnected myself from that which could restore me to sanity. So now I'm going to have to do some th stuff that will remind me that I am connected to that which has all knowledge and all power. I found that God does not make too hard a terms with me who seek him. To me, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding when I earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to everyone. It's open right now. It's open to you. You can have it. And you don't have to do anything. Uh, you don't have to do anything to get ready to have it. You don't have to do anything to be, um, to be deserving of having it. It doesn't matter what you've done up until this moment right now. There is no... God does not make too hard a terms for those who sought. It just does. It just accepts me exactly the way I am right now. And what it wants me to do is to be fully present right here, right now with no old ideas. That's why the third step prayer starts with relieve me of the bondage of self. Relieve me of all of the story of everything I brought to this moment. Relieve me of all that. Because none of that's going to help me to have a relationship with my higher power right now. None of that's going to help me to come to believe more now than I did before. It actually, all of my old ideas, I have to let go of or the result is nil. So in order for me to come to believe right now that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity right now, I'm going to have to let go of all of my old ideas and I'm going to have to have an open mind. A mind with no preconceived ideas. No story. Right now. God, could you be with me? So, I'm going to stop talking, but before I stop talking, we're going to do another two minutes of rightly relating. So the end of the, 12th, the, end of the second step, it says... Every AA meeting is an assurance, every 12-step meeting is an assurance that God will restore me to sanity if I rightly relate myself to it. So right now, I'm going to tell you how I rightly relate myself, and then I'm going to do it for two minutes, and I invite you to try it and see what happens and see if you don't come to believe something more, a little bit more. So again, I just sit, I do it with my eyes open. And I invite my higher power into my life. And I do it by sharing with it everything that's going on in my mind. God, there's some new people at this meeting. I'm a little worried or fearful that they might think I'm weird. 
I'm just sharing that with you because I want you to know that I have those fears. And I share my life exactly where I'm at right now. All of my fears, all of my hopes, all of my ambitions. I share that with my higher power. And when I get, when I run out of things to talk to it about, I start thanking it. And I start thanking it for the little things. Most of you know I like to start with my fingernails because I'm very, very, very grateful that I have 10 of them and that each one of those 10 fingernails is actually on the end of a finger where it's supposed to be. And I know positively for sure, since the last time I talked about fingernails, I have not one time sat down and thought about growing fingernails, but I have them and they've grown all by themselves. Maybe by the grace of God, they grow. Because if it was up to me, I'd probably have four, just the important ones, because I'm a little too busy to grow fingernails and I'm a little too tired and I need to save my energy. So I'm going to stop talking now. We're going to take two minutes. You can rightly relate yourselves. Okay, that's two minutes. So now just check in with yourself. Having done that little exercise, is your mind quieter right now than it was before you started? Are you a little bit more present right now than you were before? I know I am. And I know that I am every time that I do that. And I also know this, that this is not an exercise that I do for two minutes once a day to have the experience of coming to believe. This is the way of life. The long version of step two is step 11, where I 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God as I understood him right now, always, sought, sought is only, I can only sought right now. And so this is the way of life, is to be sotting through prayer and meditation every moment with my eyes open or closed to improve my conscious contact with my higher power. And in doing that, I'm more present and I have better relationships with everyone and everything around me. And this is the way of life where drinking isn't necessary. So I'm going to stop talking now. We're going to open the meeting up. We're recording this meeting. Uh, people like to listen to the meetings back. Uh, I record your shares because your shares are just as important as anybody else's share. And uh, if you'd like to share, it's going to be recorded. Unless you tell me not to, I can pause the recording. We have the technology. Okay, Rachel, you are first. Hey, Rachel, I'm my colleague. Thank you so much, Randy. Hi, Rachel. Um, you really made me feel grateful um, today. I had uh, my son's best friend um, die from a fentanyl overdose. Um, last month and we had the the funeral day before yesterday and um hundreds of people came i live in santa barbara california and we we have old missions and in, in, throughout california they're like built in the 1500s and they had the um they had the ceremony there and it was really intense and i sat with both of my sons who are sober and my ex-husband, and we all wept for this, this kid. And they had, like, eight of his friends. I mean, I, I knew the kid since he was born. I was pregnant with his mom. And, and they, they, they sent the message to this group of people about how dangerous it is out there and how you need to seek help instead of self-medicating and talk about what's going on. Like you just said, Randy, like talk about the pain, the depression, what you're going through, and, and there's no shame in asking for help. But I haven't been really close to what's going on in my community with kids that are in their early 20s um, for a while. I don't, I'm not around anybody that drinks, you know, and I, I still have my issues, but like this is black tar heroin and meth and, and the fentanyl stuff is just really um, dark. But we all went out um, to the Rose Garden that they have in front of the mission for about three hours, and we all talked about it together as a community. And it was unbelievable. I mean, just so much pain, but yet so much of what you're saying, just talking about it, for me, is how I relate to my higher power. Like you said, like getting in the moment of feeling. And so during the two-minute meditation, I just said, I'm so glad that God didn't take my son. He has four and a half years of sobriety, and he's a fucking rock star. And he was such an example to these kids. He was the only one sober. My younger son has never touched alcohol because he's been so traumatized by what my what he's seen with me and my son, who really haven't gone through it. So thank you, Randy. You know, it's not weird because we all talk, we think, Talking about what we think, it's just refreshing and it makes me feel validated and normal and, and just that I need to accept myself and go through these things. I'm actually pretty good in a crisis. Maybe some of you guys can relate to that. Like, 
you know, that we talk about the shoelace thing or you, my tire blows and I call suicide prevention. Like, when the shit goes down, I'm your man. Like, I, I showed up and I helped and we moved. You know, I just, I felt good about, about showing up and you guys taught me that here. So thanks for letting me share. I'm sad. I'm mourning. And that's okay. You know, it's not about me. I've just been going through it. Mm-hmm. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Rachel. I had a cousin, uh, his son died last year of fentanyl. Nice kid, took the wrong pill. Scott? Thank you so much, Randy. Mm -hmm. Scott, Rachel, I'm so sorry. I'm proud that you can go through it now. As many people know, I lost my dad when I was only 19. And I couldn't go through it. I'm an only child, and uh, I had to be my mother's best friend and husband. I could not let myself grieve. And as a few people know, the only time I've been to his grave is about two years ago. And that's because of this program. And I'm slowly moving forward because of this program. And what I've learned, Randy, what you've taught me, that you have to feel things. I was with the airlines for 40 years and had a half a dozen occurrences and uh, you know you're supposed to be the strong one but boy when you come off an airplane it hits you like a ton of bricks you have to feel it or you can't go back to work Um, thank you so much for, for what you both have taught me take care thanks Scott Anastasia Hi, Anastasia, addict alcoholic. Hi. Um, I uh, definitely relate to kind of, you know, when the self-talking mind is on full blast, (laughs) you know, it's probably not the moment where I'm, you know, going to light a candle and feel the radiance of, like, the light of the flame and um, go for a walk and be like, God, the grass is so green today. Like, oh, look at all that color and the petals and I'm so worthy of existing right now. It's just like kind of, um, it's a distraction, you know, from feeling good. And my disease is really uh, hell-bent on um, feeling not good. So um, I've been in AA a really long time, so I'm really familiar with, like, steps and prayer. And, you know, definitely I'm aware of my self-talking mind. And it's that kind of thing of, like, self-knowledge. It really... um, that's not enough to just know. And sometimes even prayer, I can be like, oh, oh, here's the thing, like, God, can you lift it? But even then, I feel like there's another step that's missing. And I almost wish we had a step in AA that was called, you know, new ideas, where it's like, and I guess part of that can be, you know, creatively done in the seventh step, or I do that with my current sponsor, who I love. 
um, you know, uh, with her recent uh, second step, which is to, like, kind of review what the insanity is in step one and then have a list of, like, some go-to ideas, but ask God what the go-to idea is. It's like, God, I'm really, uh, you know, feeling cut off. I'm not feeling trustful of calling people in AA because I often get confused after the phone calls and I need your help. Like, can you give me a new idea about this? Or, um, God, I'm feeling, last night I was feeling really alone. Like, God, I'm really feeling alone, and that's the story. Like, I'm alone. I'm alone. Capital letters. Alone. Everyone, do you hear it? Like, alone. And I'm like, wow. Like, what can be a new idea? And it was like, well, how about, you know, I'm known. Like, how many people know you, Anastasia? Like, I can walk down the street, and it's not long before... I see someone that knows me, you know, um, or whether I'm on a meeting or whatever, you know, even just going somewhere I locally go, people at the shops might recognize me because I chat with them like I'm known. Um, But I have to ask God, and I'll close with this, it's like, um, like with alcohol, like I can say, God, please lift this alcohol craving, but if I don't have a series of things to do after that, like the alcohol craving is going to come back or things that make me want the alcohol. So I feel like with this thinking thing, I can pray to God, but sometimes I need an assist with that new idea and belief system that to bring in because my disease is so hooked on just like turning this like manufactured crappiness. Um, so it takes a deliberate application. Um, but if I remind myself in small ways, it really helps. Like I keep like a big jar of water next to my bed. So when I wake up, I drink water and my disease won't let me acknowledge that shows I believe in my existence. You know, I like the way I feel when I drink water in the morning because I haven't had a drink of water in about 12 hours. Um, but if I notice these small things, it reminds me like, no, I do believe in my existence. I go out every day for fresh air because I'm worth air and sunlight and water. I'm like a plant. You know, like, give myself things to grow. And, um, but this new thinking thing definitely takes deliberate application because that alcoholism and other outside issues really are like a magnet. So, um, I need to pray for help with that. But it, it definitely, um, takes a lot of deliberate application. Yep. Thanks, Anastasia. Shakith. You're muted, Shakith. You gotta unmute yourself. You hey, go. my name is Shakith. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, uh, Shakith. And um, you know, you were you were talking about a lot of stuff that uh, uh, talking about a power greater than self. You know, I remember when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had an idea of God and all this and that, and I was shown that you know a living, loving God, uh, a little bit of different God than I thought uh, that, you know what my idea of it was and uh, and you know they showed me in the black and white and you know all it had to do was uh, it said on uh, you know, on a page here at 90 it says uh, you know the main thing is that uh, no that I don't have to agree with any of anybody else's conception of God I can choose any conception I like provided it makes sense to me it has to make sense to me and the main thing is that i'd be willing to believe in a power greater than myself 
and live by spiritual and and that I live by spiritual principles. And I had I had to you know I had to obviously see see that I can't produce a sound mind. And they told me what happened to them. They said you know you you tell me you think you can produce a sound mind. And uh, in order to have a sound mind, I had to see what an unsound mind looked like. And um, so, you know, I saw the goodness that came from this power. I saw the goodness that came from rightly relating to this power and being able to talk to it. And I also saw, you know, how rough and how loud the boombox of my mind can get and how I have to get quiet and how I can, you know, Sometimes it's so loud, you know, so it also told me what to think in the book, you know, because they told me the black and white doesn't need my help. The black and white didn't need my help. And, and, and in order to get back on track with this power, I was always able to say, thy will be done, not mine. See, and not mine really let me know what was going on. It, it really shined a light. Oh, my God, look at this. I'm up to my old tricks again. But the, but the whole thing was to, to, to see the goodness that came from this power and the peace that I got and a little bit of soundness and to, to know something different than me trying to figure out uh, how to solve my problems on my own power. How when I did that, it got worse because well, I was always playing God and I was sitting in God's chair trying to run the show. And uh, I found out I don't have to do anything. It all takes care of itself if I'm willing to be the man that God would have me be. I can match calamity with serenity. And I can only do that right now. Being present with the power, sharing myself with the power, asking this power if I can, you know, how can I best serve thee? Thy will be done, not mine. Not mine is the important part. If I can stop playing God. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Shakith. No more hands raised. Somebody want to ask a question? Oh, there we go. David? David, I'll call it. Hi, David. I wish I could go get here on Wednesdays, too. I miss this meeting on Wednesdays. It helps me so much. Um, but I'm glad I'm here today. That's all that matters. I'm here now. Um, I've been having these, I don't like to call them coincidences. I don't really believe in that word. I think it's more... God's way of remaining anonymous, I always like to say. But for lack of a better word, I'll call it a coincidence. I've been having a lot of these during the past week where I've been seeing these signs that are so uh, uh, so um, vivid and so real and so tangible and that I'm like, I'm being shown where to go and I know I am. And it's, and it's, it's meetings like this where I can look and find those, I can see those things rather than before when I would just kind of passed by, I guess, because they never really noticed them until I got sober and started working this program. And now I can see all these things, and it's just all I have to do is show up, you know. The things are always there, and God's not going to make a mistake. And it's like, if I'm where I'm supposed to be, it, it just means that, you know, if I'm, if if I, if right where I'm supposed to be, the signs will all be there. And I've had, I just have to open my eyes and look at them and accept it and open my heart to them and do it the next intuition in next intuitive guide is to do. That's what I have to do. And I've been showing a lot of that intuition recently. And it's been, um, it's really been crazy how certain people, I've 
making new friends and people are like they say when you do work with program and align yourself with god how people are more attracted with you and it's the, you know the promises and all that stuff and they're coming true again and it's uh, meeting a lot of different people and this i'm still paying attention to these signs and these so our coincidences so to speak i'm uh I'm going farther and it's really great. Feels great to be able to see this stuff now and to relate to it and be able to pick it up and just show up for God, you know, for me to be with God, not for him to be with me. I always say, God can be with you because I don't, and I don't think God needs a lot of repeating in prayers. I keep my prayers simple now because I don't think I need this for you. I don't, I need, don't need to repeat things over and over again because God knows what I'm saying. So I'm just going to be repeating. I'm not going to, I've been not doing that recently. Just God, show me what you have me see. And I'm seeing it and I'm seeing it and I'm seeing it's clear and it's a beautiful thing. Um, so thanks. Thanks, Dave. Lars. Hi, my name's Lars. I am alcoholic. Hi, Lars. Hi, Randy. Uh, you know, I'm going to go right to a question just to talk. And I, I love your discussion. First of all, I love the meeting. And, um, I get like this, you know, I love how you do the third step prayer during that. I always enjoy that. I just wanted to call it out, but I'm rightly relate. So I was doing that and I and I love your whole discussion. I really appreciate your discussion of rightly relate and the great significance of that. And I was doing that and I found myself getting sort of future tripping. You know you know the term, right? Future trip, getting in the future, like so all this stuff like you were saying to begin with that the self talking mind or like you know, this person doesn't like me, and all this stuff you said at the beginning of the meeting, and uh, the, well, really, it was getting into economic insecurity, which I feel I have the, you know, the nine steps promises in my life of fear about uh, people in economic insecurity will leave us, but I found it coming back like some concerns and some business things and so on, and I was thinking, okay, God, you know, I was trying to do it as you described it, which is, and, um, but it was starting to, then I was starting to get more anxious about it, actually. Pastor, can you, can you give me some thoughts on that, please, or your, or your suggestions, I guess? Well, rightly relating is not rightly relating what's wrong in the world to God for him to fix. <laughs> rightly relating is just telling God where I'm at <clears throat> and asking for help to be okay, not to fix my finances, just, hey, I'm always afraid. I'm always afraid that I'm going to go broke, that I'm going to make bad decisions and I'm going to be old and poor and alone and sick and die by myself. That is my ultimate dark fear. I always have that. And I always want God to fix it. Oh, if I could just win the lottery, then I wouldn't have to worry about that anymore. But that's the self-talking mind telling me what would make me okay. My track record is that I have always, 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 every, every frickin' moment up until this moment right now, I have always had everything that I've needed and I've never been sick and alone and broke. <clears throat> Even when I was sick, alone and broke, I was not that. It was, it was the transition to the next right thing. So, so it wasn't my idea of what sick, alone and broke was. So, so I just tell, it's just a sharing. It's not an asking. It's just a sharing. And in that, I am supposed to be telling, look, I'm talking about my financial insecurities to you right now. I'm, I'm getting more financially insecure. Truth of the matter is, God, I'm very financially insecure. 
And that's the truth. The truth isn't that you're going to run out of money. The truth is, is that you're financially insecure. And so I have to tell my higher power where I'm at right now in my life by rightly relating myself, not by trying to figure out what's going to make it better or how God can make it better. Just, oh, this is where I'm at. Look at me. I'm a fearful person. I'm full of fear. Whenever I ask myself how I'm doing, I'm afraid. And that's what I share with God. Could you help me maybe with my fears? Could you help me to just be okay in this moment? And, and that's, I hope that's helpful. Rue. Hi, we're alcoholic. Hi, Hi Randy. Hi, guys. Hi, Rebecca. So happy to be back at this meeting. I love this meeting. Um, yeah, you know, everything you said is just being in the present is the hardest thing to do because we're always like tripping in the future or the past, you know. And I read somewhere, I heard somewhere, the saying it's just resonated with me and said that stress comes from wanting to be there instead of being here. That is so simple, you know, like. But it's so true. You know, when I think about it, I'm pretty happy being just here and now. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't be stressed about being somewhere else because I'm not there yet. And God knows where I'll be. You know, only he does, really. And I, I, I'm just like his assistant or, you know, people, I guess. I just follow the direction when I can. And, and I listen to the signs and, and, like, and miracles do happen. Like, magic is abound and it's everywhere. And, I, and another thing, it's actually titled the movie. It's a French film I watched on the plane. It said, happiness is never, it never comes alone. And it, it's true. You know, happiness is something that I think for me comes through other people, uh, be it like friends, family, um, individuals like yourselves, you know, this, at the meetings and my friends here. But I feel like we all um, add something to this collective understanding of what happiness is, and it's never monetary, you know? So... I always felt like God gives enough and provides enough, so I should not worry about like finances and, and it's just, you know, because we're all capable of getting jobs and, and, and doing improving our lives if we're driven that way, you know. So for me, it's, it's, it's become to a point where I just want to be a human being. And it's a daily reprieve. I'm never perfect. And it, it's not something I'm, I strive for anymore, even though as a child I was a perfectionist, but I find that it's a pursuit of happiness, and it's so elusive. It's it's uh, it's intangible, but those moments of intangibility and this almost godly presence only comes when you're actually truly surrendered, or I surrender to this universal power, you know, that's everywhere. But we, I forget because I, I sometimes I get I just get close in this bubble of of my own prison, you know, like we're all prisoners of our own making. Um, so anyway, I, I so it's a really nice day to be in LA. It's hard to be unhappy. The sun is shining, you know. It's just the spring is is here in the summer almost. But anyway, um, that's all I have to say. But I do appreciate all of you, and um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks for. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jefferson. I'm sorry. It's twelve thirty. You're gonna have to wait till Wednesday, or you could call me. Uh, I appreciate all of you so much. You have no idea. I'm so grateful that you all came to meditate with me today. It's my the highlight of my day is meditating with all of y'all. Um, I did put a link to the to the retreat. There is still some beds. There, the the 
house that we're in holds 20 people and we're at 18. So there's two more beds left in that house. Um, and they have private bathrooms. So if you would like to go to Nashville and join us for three days of, of a quiet mind, that's the goal. Uh, we would love to have you there. Uh, with that, I will stop talking. We'll do a moment of silence and then I'll make it so you can all unmute yourself and we'll do the serenity prayer together. So if you'd like to unmute yourself. God. The courage to share the things I can. Amen. Great to see you all. Thank you, Randy. 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 Thank you, Randy.